If you're trying to figure out how to navigate the tricky tightrope of parenting while you have questions, doubts, and wonderings about your spiritual journey, our podcast is for you. It doesn't matter if your kids are smalls, middles, or bigs. We'll explore what and how we're deconstructing from churchianity, harmful belief systems, and diving deep into the ways we can work this out in parenthood. We're also going to work through ideas for reconstructing a space for our families to thrive under new systems of love and freedom. We can't wait to bring you some hope that you're not alone and that it's really okay, even good, to explore all the possibilities that may have felt closed off in the past. Our podcast is going to offer you grace and space to be exactly where you are and who you are. We're really glad you're here and we're excited for today's episode. Listen in. Let them say what they will say about how you are changing. Let them have their opinions. It's not up to them. You get to decide what no longer serves you. You get to decide how you grow. You get to decide what toxic beliefs to leave behind, how freeing it is, how glorious and sacred and transformative to forge your own relationship with God. Melissa Neeb. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Deconstructing Mamas podcast. Today, we're talking with Melissa Neeb. She's a writer and a content creator and a mom of teens, and she's deconstructing along the way as she's raising them. And so we're just really excited to have you here and to chat with you. So thanks, Melissa, for being on. Thank you, guys. It's such an honor. So excited. We're really happy to have you. I mean, obviously, I have littles, as you know, and many of our listeners know, and then Esther has big bigs, grown bigs, and so you're kind of like in the middle somewhere of us, and so I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. Can you just let us know a little bit about what your day looks like and your family looks like, and then what is it that really makes your heart come alive? So my day looks like getting up really early. I am a teacher in an infant room, so I'm at work at 6.30, and I'm going all day with the little sweet babies, and then I come home, and I have my one teen, she's 16, uh, and then my son is in college, so I just have my daughter at home, and then my husband and our all of our crazy animals. We've got six animals in the house. Yeah, after work, we just come home and get all the animals outside, and it's kind of my time with my husband and and then my daughter and I normally will hang out and watch videos or pretty mellow. I go to bed super early and <laughs> of course, but you do a little writing in there too, right? I do. Yeah. Writing is like all the time. I'm always writing in my head, jotting things down, putting notes in my phone. Whenever I have a spare second, I am writing or creating and that's that's kind of where my joy is. Uh, I do a lot of photography too. So I'm always out in nature trying to get shots and just creating all the time. I just love it. So it's, I mean, it really sounds like what, what makes your heart come alive is really just creating in any form. It sounds like, yeah, I love that. All things creative. I love that. When you and your daughter sit down to like watch something, what will you normally watch? Oh, gosh, it's normally like the dumbest TikToks. Yes. Okay, that's fun. I love that. (laughs) Like she's always showing me these things that I don't understand. And she loves to teach me slang. So that's always fun. I'm like, what are you even saying right now? And then she'll tell me. 
And then I'll randomly throw it into conversations with her. And she's like, oh my gosh, did you just say that? (laughs) Super fun. That's so funny. I love that. You're like, well, you taught me this. So of course I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. And as long as you don't put periods in a text with her, right? Right. If you use punctuation in a Snapchat, you will get yelled at. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Too harsh or what? Yeah. Like a period is rude or you sound mad. Oh my gosh. Okay. I kind of agree with her. <laughs> I sometimes will, I'll get mad at Eric when he's like, okay, period. And that's like the only thing he does to like respond to my text. And I'm like, that's such an angry. And he's like, I'm literally saying, okay. And I'm like, but what was the period for? And he's like, punctuation. Sounds so passive aggressive. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny because I was looking back just even at Liz in my texts. Oh, you do that a lot. I put all periods and she puts none. And today I thought, Oh my gosh, Liz probably thinks I'm just like so No, I don't angry. think that about you. I don't think that about you because I just, I just know, I just that know, I'm but it's no, well, I mean, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. All right, Melissa, on to like super duper serious stuff. <laughs> if you had to describe your faith background in like one word or one phrase, what would it be? And then here, why? Oh my gosh. So my faith background, I would definitely use the word conservative. I grew up Lutheran, very ultra extreme Lutheran, the most conservative of all Lutherans, (laughs) obviously come from a very religious background, parents, grandparents, everybody kind of believed the same thing, passed the same thing down. I did church every Sunday and every Wednesday Lent and Sunday school, private school, vacation Bible school, like everything to do with God. I was, I was in it and not by choice, like not by choice at all. I did not want to be in all those things and be that immersed in church. Like I never felt like I was doing it right. I always felt like I didn't fit in and I just didn't want to be there. It was such an obligation mm-hmm. and I never enjoyed it. So yeah, I would definitely say conservative. Did you feel like you ever had the freedom to voice any of those opinions? Like, no. I don't like this. Yeah. You felt no. like you were just trapped. Yeah. Yeah. We had to be throwing up sick or have a fever to not go. I mean, it was very serious. We were never allowed not to go. So then when I became a college kid and I didn't, you know, I wasn't at home anymore, it was all out the window. I didn't go to church for a long time. And even after I had kids, my kids went to private school, but I had to hold that tension of them being in private school like I was, but at the same time, not feeling like I ever fit in or like... Mm. I don't know. I always felt guilty because I wasn't taking my kids to church enough and I wasn't forcing them to do all those things because I was and I hated it. And so I never wanted to put that on them. I still have a lot of guilt, you know, because I still feel like they were still raised in that ultra conservative environment. Mm -hmm. Still have a lot of guilt to work out about that part of it. Mm. Yeah, I remember crazy enough. I tried to skip church and I could only do the same thing. Like if I had a fever and -hmm. there was the old thermometers, not like the new thermometers, but the old thermometers that was mercury. And I would take the thermometer and I would put it in the blanket and I would rub it back and forth really (laughs) fast. 
And then it would go to like 105 and I'd be like, I can't be 105. So I would shake it down to like, it was like 99.6 or something. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. All the things to get out of going to church. <laughs> we have this conversation a lot, I think, with guests of ours and, and just friends of ours about feeling guilty for your children's involvement in the church, like whatever that looked like, right? Or for your kids mm. involved in school or whatever. And I feel like this overarching theme is just that kids heal when parents are able to own some of the things that they no longer agree with and saying like, you know what, <laughs> like, I actually don't think that was a great idea or that actually wasn't what was best, which I think is just really cool. I mean, obviously none of us ever intend to do anything that would be hurtful to our children, but of course we all are going to because that's just life and that's just being human, right? In whatever way that it is. But I just love that reminder of, of all the people that we're talking to, everyone has the same kind of story of like, oh, I wish I would have done that. But here, now I have an opportunity to heal. And I'm sure you've done yeah. a lot of that with your kids. Yeah. What word or phrase would you describe like where your faith journey is now? The word I would use now is wonder. Hmm. And that's such a gift to me because I always had such a creative, curious spirit and that was never allowed in, in my church. So to have that feeling now of just, I get to ask questions and I get to like tear everything down to the ground and put it back how, like, what makes sense to me? Like, who do I feel like God is? What pieces match? What pieces don't? And I get to find God everywhere. Like, I don't have to go and sit in a building once a week and try to find God there and, like, not ever have it happen. I get to go out and find him wherever I want to. And, yeah, it's just amazing to me. Did you feel like when you were raising your kids in the more conservative, that it wasn't really something from inside of you? Or were you trying to force it to be you? And it really wasn't you? Yeah. Because when we first met, I felt like you were a very conservative yeah. Christian. And that's yeah. only like a few years ago. Yeah. Did you feel like in your spirit that you were faking it? I know exactly what you're saying, because that is exactly what I was always feeling. Like I was trying on these different hats and trying to make something fit. And so for a long time, like before I met you, I never considered myself religious. I always thought of myself as more spiritual because I didn't like going to church and I didn't read the Bible and I always found God in nature and I never liked putting that those constraints on God. And then probably around the time that we met, I started going to a Pentecostal church and I really felt the Holy Spirit in that church. And I was having a lot of like really, um, I don't know, really real experiences with God at that time in my life. So I was like on fire for God, like Bible verses and, and everything. And then kind of the catalyst for change for me was when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And I saw in that particular church them speaking of a God of love and kind of adopting this attitude of we're going to do what we want to do because it's our right to do that. And we're not going to follow guidelines for health restrictions. And we're not going to take a look at how what we're doing is affecting anybody else. Like it was just 
me, 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 and God gives us permission, like he's going to save us all anyways. So, Hmm. so then I started taking a really hard look at that church and like, it just wasn't adding up to me. I know a lot of people had sort of similar experiences as of like COVID sort of changing things. But I think for a lot of people, it was like, oh, we sort of weren't going to church anymore. So we left. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really interesting that there was things that were going on the tr- with the, in the church yeah. during that time that you were like, I just don't agree with this. And this doesn't feel right for me. Yeah. And that was kind of the catalyst for you of saying like, what else is going on here that I don't really agree with and I don't really feel is right? Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, I think like the love your neighbor as yourself piece that's been really hard to watch like it's confusing when somebody says hey you know the two most important things are love god with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself but me 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 right (laughs) it's just a strange phenomenon i love the way that covid sort of exposed yeah nobody could fake it anymore yeah and so it exposed a lot of things like in our own lives and in what we saw from different people. I know it exposed for me, like how afraid I was. It exposed for me, like the way other people were talking about it. And it was just a weird, very enlightening experience. Yeah. (laughs) Now, did your kids have anything to do with that at all? Like, did they help you to see things differently? Did you take them to that charismatic church? What was up with your kids during that time? Because they were like tweeny. It's kind of interesting because my son, who's in college, very much still adheres to the more conservative um, religious parts. And my daughter, she's pretty much the catalyst for my deconstruction, even though all these things were like going on throughout my life. There was one particular experience that I had with her that was like, whoa, whoa stop, like, I need to reevaluate everything. And it really threw me into a lot of turmoil. So I can tell the story. She was a freshman in high school, going to a private school. And she was getting bullied a lot. Is it a Christian school? Christian school? Yep. Um, She was getting bullied a lot. She was going to school and girls were like standing in a circle and like whispering and pointing to her. And she was having such bad panic attacks and anxiety that she would call me, I don't know, maybe like 8.15 in the morning. And keep in mind, she goes to school half an hour away. She would call me and be like, Mom, I'm throwing up in the bathroom stall. You need to come and get me. I can't be here. And this was going on weekly. She would wake up with panic attacks every night and she would say, I can't go to school today because they were still going. They were in person in fall of 2020. So anyways, there was a guy that became really good friends with her and he was like her only friend pretty much that year. And he was having issues of his own getting bullied. He came out to my daughter that year and My daughter came home from school one day and she said, she was talking about her friend and she said something to the effect of, well, I can't ever have him come over here to hang out. I was like, why? And she said, well, because he's gay. And I said, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, what? You think that you can't have your friend come over here because he's gay? Like where, what? And I was so disturbed by that revelation that 
she honestly thought that my husband and I wouldn't accept someone into our house because of his sexuality. Yeah, that was the catalyst. Kind of the wheels fell off after that. And I was like, what am I even doing? What? This is not a religion of love. Like this is exclusion and hate. And yeah, that's so powerful because you just think like, wow, they are excluded. Yeah. And for her to be so afraid to bring a friend home, like that makes me so sad. Yeah. I wonder if my kids would have been the same way with me, but this very inclusive, loving God. Yeah. And yet because of X, Y, Z, so exclusive, like we're going to shun them. And I would imagine that that's probably what was happening at school. Exactly. Yep. Ugh, it kind of blows my mind a little bit, but I, I remember being this person a long time ago, right? But like this idea that these these girls are making fun of other people, right? They're being unkind and hateful and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But they're held to this like high standard because they're meeting like the church's expectations in some ways, right? Because they probably are technically virgins and none of them are gay and like all of these things that like the church holds in high standard and yet they're bullying these other kids every single day, right? Yeah. And so it's it really is hard to kind of wrap your head around once you get out of that place yourself, right? Like once you're no longer there to think like, wow, yeah, like, what do we hold in high esteem, what is most important? You know, like, what do we really kind of like hang our hats on at the end of the day in this Christian community? And then you start going like, well, I don't like this. Like, this doesn't make any sense. So your son, you said, is still really conservative. Mm -hmm. Like, how does he view all this change in your life? We talk about things a little bit. My daughter is very, very progressive, very outspoken. (laughs) And has very strong political views. And my son, he doesn't like to get into a lot of those conversations. I think he tries to avoid conflict when he can. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I don't know exactly what he thinks about it, but I guess I'd be interested to hear his thoughts. How is it for you? Because we say, we all say in the deconstructing world, that we want everybody to have their own personal relationship with God, however they see fit. Yeah. And you have two kids that have a very different relationship with God, right? Yeah. (laughs) So how have you been able to navigate that? Do you find yourself more worried about one than the other? Are you able to sort of hold that tension and that nuance? Yeah, I think it's been really challenging because... My son, along with the rest of my family, all kind of believe the same things. And for my husband and daughter and I, we're kind of outside of all that. So there's been a lot of disagreements with family and discussions and like, just you can believe what you believe and I have the freedom to do the same. And so... With my son, especially, I'm just trying to remind him to have an open mind. Like, you don't have to follow the same recipe that you've always followed. I think the world is changing and our young people are changing so fast that these kids are so smart and they're so just in tune with everything going around um, in the world. And 
I just have faith that he'll, you know, he's on his own journey and I'm just going to support him, whatever that looks like. And I'll probably push back on a few things. (laughs) My husband and I always joke about like my daughter is she's a rule follower and she's really sensitive. And we're always like, she is headed to evangelicalism. Like if anyone is going to get stuck in evangelical, it's going to be her. And we're always like, dear Lord, like anything but that, right? Like anything but that. But so funny how the tables kind of like turn. And that's the thing that you are hoping that your child will kind of like work through, right? As opposed (laughs) to before when you're like, heaven forbid they sin or have sex before marriage or whatever it is. But now it's like something different. So we always kind of joke about that. You know what I mean? Like, will we still love her if she's an evangelical? Like, you know, of course we will. But like, you know, just just joking about it because it's true. It's true. It's like, it's just such a different world and things are shifting so, so much. Oh my gosh. I know the greatest fear is that, let's say my grandchildren will grow up and be really conservative Christians. It's just funny because I just, once everything flips on its head, you hope that they follow your path no matter what. Yet we're supposed to be wanting them to take their own path. That's the craziest thing to me about deconstructing is I want everybody to be on their own path. But the people who are like very black and white, I'm like, no, you can't be on on my path. path. Right, right, right. (laughs) Be on my very like loosey goosey path. Esther and I talk about too, like how, you know, you can so easily be like, you can be a fundamentalist in both directions. Right. And so it's like, we don't want to be fundamentalist in this other way but then at the same time right we just want to be sort of like open to perspectives and not necessarily trying to drag anyone over to our side we're just saying like this is where we are and this is what we're thinking if you are on that same journey join us and we can support each other kind of thing right so melissa looking back at the ways that your faith has changed or maybe that you've recaptured actually what was originally true about you What's your favorite way that you see the world differently? I think I used to think that we had to be on this same rigid path. And so just like we were talking about, I'm learning to be less judgmental, like both ways. And I just find God in nature and people and moments and life. I honestly thought for so long that I was the only one that didn't have it all figured out. Because everyone else seemed like they had it all figured out. And I just felt so different. It just gives me more compassion for other people's journeys. Mm. Mm -hmm. One of our guests that we had on um, in season two, Joy Vetterline, she has something called the Band of Spiritual Misfits. And that really reminds me of what you're saying, like the people who just don't fit in anywhere else. Sometimes I feel like we're this giant circus like where it used to be that all the people who didn't fit in society went and like worked at the circus <laughs> and they had a lot more fun in their circus world. And now we're like, we kind of have this new fun circus going on and we found ourselves out here and we found each other. But I do really appreciate you saying that about the misfit thing, because I know I tried so hard to fit in the box mm-hmm. and I tried so hard to believe all the things that other people wanted me to believe but there was this weird voice way down deep inside that was like that doesn't make any sense and I would try to talk myself out of it I think we do that a lot yeah in evangelicalism so has has this change affected your day-to-day like what are you doing differently now how are you writing differently about it 
So I have a lot of triggers now recently, and I didn't even realize that they were triggers. I was just listening to something, and they were talking about church can be a trigger for you. Reading the Bible can be a trigger for you. I'm like, wait a minute. That makes a lot of sense to me. Again, I felt a lot of guilt about that. Like, why would walking into a church be triggering for me? Well, it's obvious, but in like reading the Bible too, it's like, what agenda does this Bible passage have? Like, what is the background and who said it? And what was the historical context? And like, I just, I have a hard time trusting anything because I was always told not to question and just be certain, believe, don't ask questions. It's all right. You don't have to worry about it. And now it's like, I don't trust anything. Mm -hmm. So that's like very foundation shattering. You kind of feel like you're upside down a little bit. Yeah. I know that feeling too. You kind of go through your entire life not really realizing that you have trauma and then you realize that you have trauma and then you're like, wait, that's what that is and that's what that is and that's what that is. And then you have to start unpacking it. Thought that just leaving church and doing those like those beginning steps were the hard part. And then you realize farther on in your journey, wait, I'm not done. Yeah. Right. So hard. Like what happens to you when you get triggered? Do you just get a feeling? Going back to that, I don't go to church. Mm-hmm. I don't read the Bible. And sometimes I think, well, you know, maybe I should try to find a different church that's more in line with whatever. And then I think, well, I'm just not there yet. Like, I, I don't want to rush things. My Sundays are very sacred to me now. Like, I really am intentional about how I spend that, um, whether it's just reading for a little bit in the morning or going out and sitting outside and watching the sunrise or like just taking care of myself is probably the biggest takeaway that my deconstruction journey has brought me to is just loving myself, loving all those past versions of myself, the hurt versions and the traumatized versions and the like scared, shy little girl versions just like looking back and loving myself through that because I wasn't getting what I needed at the time. So I'm going to damn well make sure that I give her that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there's like a simplicity to your faith now? Not an easiness necessary, necessarily, but like a simplicity. Whereas before it was like, let's check the boxes, make sure that I'm doing devotions this specific way and getting into the word and all of that. Now, maybe there's a simplicity to it. There is such a, such a simplicity to it. Basically, anything that crosses my path, any person or Bible verse or quote or whatever, I always line it up with the character of God. And is this representative of a God of love? Or is this like fear-based or hate or man's religion or somebody else's idea of what this passage says? Like, If it doesn't align with the spirit of love, then it doesn't fit for me. We'll be right back to the rest of today's podcast episode. But first, we want to give a shout out to some of our amazing and faithful Patreon supporters, Amber Ostrup, Kelsey Longino, and Heather Tilly. For just $3 a month, you can help us keep the lights on and at the same time be a part of our safe and private Facebook community, where you won't feel so alone in this evolving faith and parenting journey. We hope to see you there. Now, back to the episode. 
crazy enough, recently I was talking to a family member who is very different from me, very much more on the conservative side. And we talked about the very root of our belief system and why does he see things so differently from me? And we got to this place that he believes the most important characteristic of God is his holiness. Mm. And I believe the most important characteristic of God is his love or their love. And those two things are where everything stems from now for, wow. for both of us. Yeah. So he's very protective of anything that wouldn't feel holy, wow. righteous, good. And I'm very, very protective of anything that doesn't feel loving, yeah. kind, gracious. And it just struck me that maybe perhaps this is why there's almost like these two camps. Yeah. Because where we, what we believe, I would say the core essence of God is, everything comes from there. My gosh, that's so true. And it did help me not to be so mad at him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, no wonder that whole, like you said, turning to wonder or the wonder. I was like, oh my goodness, it makes sense. Why it's like, you do this and you don't do this and purity culture and everything has to stay so like white, not white in like a color yeah, of skin. Right. Like, pu pure, like this pure. Yeah. Pure, pure, pure. You can't like it. It's so black and white, black and white because yeah. holiness is the key versus I'm like a hippie in the seventies. That's all about love. <laughs> I guess too. It's almost how you like define holiness too, right? Yes. Okay, so it sounds like the way that that family member is describing holiness has to do with this separate being that's above. But when you think about it, Jesus was really the essence of holiness in so many ways. And Jesus was just like in the midst of like the muck and the mire. And I was listening to um, Jonathan Puddle's devotional meditation, and he, he literally was just going through Jesus's like entire basically like conception to birth just literally like every little piece mary had a period and then she was able to get pregnant and this baby nourished off of her it reminded me like this holiness in the midst of just this humanity it's just basic humanity and that's so holy and kind of goes back to what you were saying before melissa about like this idea of just wonder and wonder in those small things you know like that aren't really small things the taking care of yourself the watching the sunsets the going back to like the very beginning and the very basics and like how holy is that but how many of of us don't see that as holy mm. how many of us are missing that holiness I actually love the word holy now because mm. kind of like you, Esther, I'm like, you know, love is everywhere and I just want to be loving and holy for me is the same thing. Like you're holy and I'm holy and they're holy and this moment is holy. <laughs> it's just all around. Like when you take God out of church and you put him everywhere, mm. everything is sacred. You know, everything has a possibility of wonder and awe and mm -hmm. my husband's favorite song is something called everything is holy now it's a country song it is so powerful it's that exact same thing that you were saying every time I hear it I think exactly what you're saying and I do have a very different view than my family member about the word holy 
fact, my text back to him was, I think we have a different view of what holy means. <laughs> Somebody said they view it as almost like W-H-O-L-Y. Mm. Oh my gosh, I love that. I got chills when you said that. Mic drop. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. Holy. Yeah. Yeah, like we're whole instead of separate. Wow. Integrated. Oh, so I was like, that means God's one with us. We're one with him. We're all woo. So good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. I'm going to read your quote. This has been such a fun conversation. I'm going to read your quote again, if that's okay, from the beginning. And we'll unpack it a little bit. Let them say what they will say about how you're changing. Let them have their opinions. It's not up to them. You get to decide what no longer serves you. You get to decide how to grow. You get to decide what toxic beliefs to leave behind. How freeing it is. How glorious and sacred and transformative to forge your own relationship with God. Wow. And sometimes the hardest part about deconstructing is giving ourselves permission to make changes that people, and you were saying your family, we care about, don't understand or agree with. So what ways have you forged your own relationship with God that is different from those around you? I stopped feeling like I was obligated to do things. I just stopped. I'm like, I don't feel like I need to go to church to find God. I don't want to be on this rigid weekly schedule of all these things that I have to check off in order to be a good Christian. And that's very different from my family. And so those have been some hard conversations. And granted, we haven't even unpacked even a little bit of it, but just giving each other the space to see things differently. I just go and find God where wherever I need to and kind of let everybody else worry about their own journey. Have you felt like that they're worried about you? Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Slippery slope. It's the slippery slope. <laughs> You're headed right down it. You're like water sliding down it. The water slide that leads to life. That's what I say. Or goodness or joy or something. <laughs> How freeing is that? It's just so freeing. Like we were talking about, I have to kind of give them the empathy and compassion to do their own thing and like let God lead them where he wants them to go. But yeah, just the freedom that I feel. I look at some of my family members and I don't see that. So picture you're sitting in your car with your daughter. And I know you've talked about this. You don't necessarily want her to be a nice Christian girl. Yeah. What do you want her to be instead? And why are you so passionate about this? Hmm. So even that phrase, nice Christian girl, kind of makes my skin crawl, to be honest, uh, because I was that girl until I wasn't that girl. So when I was 21 years old, I went against the whole grain of everything that I had been taught, and I got pregnant. So right there, I no longer the good, nice Christian girl anymore. And I had to go in front of my pastor in his office. And I've written about this experience. He made me ask God for forgiveness in front of him 
And that was very shaming and awful. And if I had to do it all over again, I would have just ran out of the church and never looked back. But thinking about the whole nice Christian girl label, I don't want my daughter anywhere near that. Mm. Like her and I have had this conversation before, actually, because she said to me once, and this was another really transformative moment in my deconstruction. She said to me, what if all the things I believe are wrong and I don't believe any of the same things that my, you know, my schoolmates believe and teachers and all that. What if I'm wrong? What if I go to hell? Like, what if I'm not worthy? And I just about was in tears. And that was just such a powerful moment for me. And I had to tell her, God is love. He loves you no matter what. And he just wants you to be who you are. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with asking questions or doubting or not believing the same thing as somebody else believes. So, yeah, I... I, do feel very strongly about that phrase and the expectations that we put, especially on our daughters and girls is awful. We could probably go on and on and on about this particular topic, but my husband and I even have a conversations where like we grew up in very similar church backgrounds and he's like, I didn't experience that. Like we didn't really talk about that. And I'm like, you weren't a chewed up piece of gum. He was like, no. So it's just like a very, it's a very different story for men and women. And the fact that you had to go in front of your pastor kind of alone. Yeah. Yeah, that is. It's traumatic. It's gross. And, sh- and shaming. Yeah. It's gross. It is it's gross. gross. I love that, Melissa. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. Ah, oh, I just get so worked up about this. I would go at least with my daughter and then I would just maybe, and I don't swear, but I might flip the master off. <laughs> like, or you no. could take me, Esther, because I swear for Esther. Oh, I just keep thinking about that nice Christian Ugh. girl and how much pressure all three of us probably had Yeah, on that and how differently we want our kids to experience God. Yes. It has nothing to do with God. Like none of this has anything to do with God. It has to do with power Mm -hmm. structures, the way it looks to other people. And again, protecting some form of religion that has nothing to do with God at all. The stress that it puts on young women not only to live sort of this perfect life and to stay in in the box but then like when they don't do that to then hide it you're sort of like living a lie all the time no matter what you do and i look at all these young girls that i either had in youth group or i've known from different things and i kind of see their lives on instagram there's things that they're doing that maybe their church wouldn't really approve of and i wonder how much guilt they feel they're just kind of like living their life and they're probably being largely safe. And like, do you know what I mean? They're just kind of like being young people. But I'm wondering, cause I was that college student, you know? So I wonder sometimes like, what are they feeling inside? Like what kind of turmoil are they feeling? Thinking constantly about whether or not this is the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of whether or not they're like accepted by God or loved by God or, yeah, it's, it's cringy. It's it's cringy and it's sad and it's 
it's like unnecessary. You're right, Esther. It really is all about just like control. We're just controlling. We're just trying to control what other people are doing with their lives and controlling what other people believe and controlling the amount of hardship that people feel in their lives. Everyone kind of gets to make those decisions for themselves. So Melissa, I have one crazy question for you and it's this. So you have older kids and we have a lot of listeners who are like youngish, like Liz's kind of age. So we want some of your sage mom wisdom about maybe a couple things that because you raised your kids in a way you didn't want to, mm. what maybe two ways or two ideas would you raise them with now if you could go back and change it, things? Oh my gosh. I think one of the ways I would encourage spirituality or faith in my kids is just for them to ask whatever questions they want and imagine God however they want to. I would throw out the Bible stories and rigid church services and all that and just ask questions like, what do you think about this? Or what does God look like to you? Or just to find the joy in the search and not like have it be so stressful and so passed down like just imagine god how you want to like how do you like what do you feel about this and just like ask some questions um and then another way i think i would take them out into nature more mm -hmm. and like really examine just slow down you know as a young mom we're so busy and constantly running from here to there and rushing them along and I think I would take more time to just go explore and experience God through his world. So true, Melissa. Like our kids just know, like they just know. And we're just trying to tell them something that isn't true for them a lot of times, right? Like I even find myself doing that still. I liked what you said about just being with our kids in in nature and even in just like simplicity. I sometimes find when I have no plans for the day with my kids, everyone's like so much calmer. And even though I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have to like entertain them. But then when I step back and say like, no, like kids do sort of know, like we try to structure them and kind of just in general, we try to make things better for them. And we just end up like messing it up all over the place. Like that's so true about faith too. It's like, just leave them be. Don't tell them, let them figure, figure it out. When I think back on little kids and my little kids, that they probably believed that God was just this giant source of love. And then I told them all these very hard and terrible things about it. Like, that's so sad to me. Instead of them just getting to live in this place where God is just a wonderful, incredible creator of all of these animals and all of these flowers and especially them. Like that has to be the coolest person who ever lived or ever existed that gets to do all this stuff. And then I'm like, and guess what? He's really mad at you because you stole a cookie from the cookie jar. Like what? That just is so silly. So yes, I love what you're saying about that. Just let them wonder. Mm -hmm. And I'm really getting into indigenous stuff lately, Liz, too. Back to the earth, yes. Back yeah. to the earth and nature. And you get to live in Minnesota where there's a lot of them. I just think it's so crazy what we can learn from 
nature. And how healing it is, how healing it is and how it brings us like back to ourselves and back to our creator, like whatever that looks like for you, it brings us back to this like life source. Yeah. It's really yes. powerful. It is fascinating to me that almost every guest we have on somehow talks about nature being healing. Like even yeah. just what you said about your Sundays. Now I have to be outside, maybe mm-hmm. watching the sunrise. It's like, God is everywhere. Wow. All right. I'm sorry. A little work done. So we love to gather resources for people. So what's the best book you've read or are reading currently? And what's your favorite takeaway from it? Oh, so I'm reading John Pavlovitz, amazing writer, pastor, author. His book, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk which doesn't that just say everything right in its Mm -hmm. title, but I'm going to read a quote if I can from his book. This is the biggest disconnect for people who've lost or thrown away their religion or temporarily misplaced it. They can't reconcile hateful people peddling a God of love and they refuse to be told they have to. I think that is so powerful and that just sums up everything I've been feeling over the last few years is if I can't reconcile it to a God of love, I don't even want to be a part of it. Hmm. Like take me out of that religion. I don't want it. He just emphasizes the power of being able to ask questions. And even if you're a pastor or someone that's leading a group of people to have the permission to say, I don't know, like, God is mysterious and wonderful. And why do we keep trying to contain him in all these little boxes? And just going back to his title, if we follow a God of love, then just don't be a jerk to other people. Like the whole point is to love people, right? So what are we even doing? Esther and I both have a friend, Grace. Shout out. She always says, like, if God is like this hateful, wrathful, like asshole, I'd rather be in hell. I mean, I feel similarly. I feel similarly. Like, if that's who God is, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just be in hell. Seems like we're burning either way. So I might as well, like, stick to my guns about it. And I just want nothing to do with a God like that. Yeah. Right. Every time I get nervous that I'm have gone down the slippery slope and I am headed on the wide path that leads to destruction, I do remind myself that if that is what God is like, that's hell. And so if I have to go be with that God, then I will be in hell. That's so true. And that really is what grounds me. And I think at least I'll have been able to live a life here of freedom and wonder and curiosity where I can love others and I feel their love in return. Like life here matters. It's not just this like eternal mindset, like life here matters. Being kind to people here matters. I'll have heaven here and hell later. (laughs) Yeah. 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 What a controversial statement, Esther. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, thank you so much, Melissa. This has been really fun. Can you just tell everybody where they can find you? Where do you unpack all of this messy faith journey? All of it is on Facebook and Instagram, Faith in the Mess. Faith 
in the mess. Messy, messy, messy. I love it. Thank you, guys. So fun. Well, that's it for this episode on the Deconstructing Mamas podcast. We love that you tuned in and hope that this gave you a little bit of grace and space for your soul to breathe. Don't forget to catch up on any of our episodes that you missed. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Deconstructing Mamas. That's where you'll find all the information that you need about the podcast, as well as on both of our websites, estherjoygets.com and elizabethpetters.com, as well as our brand new website, deconstructingmamas.com. If you would like to support the podcast, please leave us a review where you listen and especially tell others about the show. Thanks for listening and come back again for our next episode. We can't wait to be on the other side of your head.